2: So my next interview is with Mohammed Abugaf and Daniel Carcenti, and we talk about their uh, brilliant and, 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 and compelling and exciting, uh, terrifying, actually, new film in some respects called uh, The Devil's Drivers. And again, I, you know, I don't know that there's an interview that I have where I don't recommend my audience, my listeners to actually try to see this film. And I know you can't see everything maybe that I see, but this is uh, for those of you who are looking uh, into a new perspective into uh, politics uh, and the politics of the Middle East, but also a singular to a universal story, The Devil's Drivers is for you. It's about uh, two Bedouin cousins who are smuggling uh, undocumented workers through the Middle East. I mean, this is a breathtaking portrait of human uh, trafficking in in one of the most dangerous uh, regions and places in the world. Um, And it's Really well done. Uh, it plays like a, a thriller in some uh, in some respects. This is about um, this is about others. This is about the value and the pursuit of, of freedom. This is about the legitimacy of of others and how uh, we need to uh, recognize that in in so many uh, different ways. Um, the, the 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 price that some of these people are paying uh, for. Uh, for access uh, to to freedom this is about how the emotional becomes political and and maybe on a more cynical side that there really are no clear-cut answers sometimes and no real clear-cut solutions uh, to some of these uh, universal problems and it's a really uh, a brilliant reminder of all that so many of us in the world take uh, for for granted and uh, this is a unique story you're not going to see a, a film like it any else it's a family it's about it's 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 a film about family as well I mean there are so many threads I think that run through my work here on face- to face and the conversations that I have and 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 this is a film uh, uh, about family and about the human experience and how uh uh Mohammed and daniel have have humanized uh, that struggle so thanks to them and congrats to them on this beautiful film uh, that played at uh, toronto international film festival i hope you get to see it soon on video on demand or at a theater uh, or a festival coming uh, you know in the in the not so distant future uh, stay tuned for that david peck live.com face to face live.ca the same place on the net. You can get a copy of Real Changes Incremental. You can find out more about my speaking and my writing there, but you can also have uh, find access to almost 600 uh, interviews I've done over the last eight years with uh, actors and producers and writers and directors and filmmakers who are telling stories, who are, who are allowing us to empathize with others around the world in unique and interesting and compelling ways. Uh, sign up for our newsletter. We only send out a couple a year Uh, But more importantly, if you're listening, wherever you're listening, please uh, sign up to the RSS feed. Sign up to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify. And if you're watching or listening on YouTube, give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. We'd appreciate it. And last but not least, so important, if you could... Um, leave us a review. That would be brilliant. Uh, A small, you know, hopefully a five-star review with a word or two on iTunes or Spotify uh, and we would appreciate that in a big way. And then, you know, if you can, socially mediate uh, the heck out of face-to-face and let people know what's going on here uh, at Face-to-Face Live. uh, We would appreciate it. But in the meantime, uh, listen in uh, to my uh, wonderful uh, interview and conversation with Mohammed Abugath and Daniel Carsente talking about uh, their uh, brilliant new film, The Devil's Drivers. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by two uh, very special guests with us here today, kind of from around the world, uh, I suppose, to talk about uh, with their new film, The Devil's Drivers, at the Toronto International Film Festival. We have Daniel Carcente here with us and Abu Ghef. Thank, thank you both uh, for joining me today on Face to Face to talk about your fascinating and, and, and compelling new film,
3: you're welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you much for having us. It's an honor.
2: So I gotta say right out of the gate before we start, uh, this is uh, you know I always try to choose films that 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 I think my audience would enjoy seeing, uh, that I think I would enjoy seeing. I loved your film. It's it 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 it, it it's compelling. It's upsetting. It's unsettling. It celebrate. It's a celebration of the human condition. It seems to me. I mean, there's just so many. Uh, uh, challenging issues that you raised, but also some really uh, beautiful and human moments that I think are going to stay with me for a long time. So I just wanted to say congratulations and and thank you.
4: Thank you very much. Thank the- you very much.
2: So why don't why don't we kind of start at the beginning? I know this has been a really long project for you both, uh, and uh, at least eight years, I believe. And I'm pretty sure that I've read about some pretty significant challenges that you faced along the way. Um, may either of you, Muhammad or, or Daniel, can you can you give us a little bit of context around the film and? and what you were trying to do with this out of the gate, like, and then we can go a little deeper. Maybe Daniel, could you could you give us a bit of context out of the gate?
3: Mm, I think Muhammad's um, and mine, my um, intention at the beginning was to find a character who was not the usual Middle Eastern or Palestinian stereotype. We wanted to have someone who is not, fitting into this cliche of the arab man as a as a terrorist right or as the poor victims but we wanted to have a character who is three dimensional we wanted to develop a movie around someone who is taking his life into his own hands who's who's making difficult choices um i think Muhammad and me think that actually, I hear many people say that Hamura appears like a hero. I think for for me, he's more actually an anti-hero, a person who we're also showing with his flaws, with his difficulties dealing with life, with his self-doubts. But on the other side, we also um, see him make hard decisions. We see him doing some very courageous things. Um, so I think that was our our main goal to, to create a Travis Pickle or uh or uh, an interesting flawed anti-hero as a as a part of what we would call or what Muhammad would call maybe something, idea of a of, of a Palestinian new wave, uh a movie that is interested in showing the people not the way the world expects us to show them but showing the people the way they really are
2: right 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 no that that that's super helpful um mohammed would you say that you went into this uh story this documentary these lives with the intent of kind of you know t- turning the narrative upside down in a sense uh, as daniel said hero to anti-hero was that very much on your mind as you were making this film?
4: You know, we we enjoyed making a film about, like, you can, in a simple way, Hollywood, to Hollywood the characters. Like, right, to make the right, character like right. in a Hollywood way, that's you a, know?
2: That's a great, I love that phrase, to Hollywood the characters. That's a great <laughs>
4: yeah, phrase, this, yeah. To see, the, to see the character eating, to see the character with his children, to see the character in his difficult work, so to see him in all his around all his circumstances, so you just not to see his work or just to see his family. So we, we we visited the world from different dimensions, and this is what we enjoyed doing it, making this film, just to to show the character uh, smiling, nervous, uh, different uh, circumstances. and uh, w- we make it like three act long feature film in real life of people, which is
2: uh,
4: mm. other film I think you needed Alberto De Niro and Brad Pitt, but <laughs> we had like simple people who look like heroes or anti-hero in the front of the camera. They we focused more on the sound of the characters, on the how they look, the reaction. So this is what make I think this film unique not just because I am film when I watched it in cinema I was like this is the first time I I watched it in big screen it was for me different it shook me too like as as the one who did it I became the audience I just became the audience in the cinema
2: that's a fact that's fascinating I don't know that I've ever heard a filmmaker say that quite that way you know that that they saw the film for the sort of for the first time it was almost like it was a revelation uh for you which is which is really interesting for the, the that that narrative experience.
4: Yeah literally I was shocked in some scenes when I saw it in big screen because you see the eyes of the of course, yeah. The characters. And because I was editing, we had I never had the big big screen or more than bigger than this computer to translate. So for me when I saw it on a very huge screen, it made me feel different.
2: It's, you know what, that's really interesting. I, I uh, you know, the Toronto Film Festival this year for me has been a hybrid and I've really not been there face-to-face and most of my interviews have been online. And I saw a press conference though with uh, Denis Villeneuve, Jessica Chastain, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Alanis Sabamswin was there. I mean, a superstar-studded panel. And Denis Villeneuve said the future of cinema is is on the large screen. And it's really interesting to hear you say that that you were so immersed in the small screen to hear it. Fr- the translation was had a huge impact. I, I think you know. I want to stand up and applaud <laughs> because I, that's that's amazing. I'm so glad, uh, Muhammad. You 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 talked about that. You know, when I first saw the film and I read the press kits and I do my research and I go in before I even see the film, I was about. I don't know 7 minutes in 5 to 7 minutes in and I went is this a documentary like I I there was a there's a beat to it a cadence to it that that really does play like a thriller and it is a thriller of a sort but that almost sort of downplays the importance of it uh Daniel when you you when you were shooting this did did Again, did you have that sense that you were gonna? This was going to be a three-act kind of film that that was that Brad Pitt should have been starring in.
3: I mean, our circumstances during production were were quite dramatic. I bet they were. So I think even the, the making of of the film could be a thriller, actually. A documentary about the documentary. Yeah, <laughs> but. Um, but but to your question, I think uh, we were very early aware that this was um, this was a large store, that this was cinema and mm-hmm. um, we we developed a technique that we always looked for the reaction and the emotions of our protagonist instead of looking for um, for the physical action. So you'll see like many dangerous situations we're actually on the face or we're trying to stay as long as we can on the face.
2: Sure, sure.
3: And I think one of the reasons why we're doing this is because we believe through, on the one side, news, the development of, of news reporting in the last years, but also, of course, throughout the 90s, Michael Bay cinema, that many dramatic things have already been shown. So um, if, if I would have to choose a drone image of, the smuggler is driving through the desert, or a close up of the face of the driver. I personally would say what interests me the most is his emotions. I want to give the audience the opportunity to feel what he's feeling. And by feeling what he's feeling, start to ask themselves, how would I react? How would I decide if I would have to make his choices? Right, right. And in that moment, the emotional becomes political because in that moment, the moment I ask myself, like, would I risk my life to feed my family? Would I risk my life to have a moment of freedom? The moment when you start asking yourself this, you put together all of the dots, all the the circumstance, the political situation, the conflict, and you were forced to, to be him. Right. And I think that's what Muhammad and me as filmmakers really want to do. We don't, we don't have answers. We don't have solutions. But we have like a million questions. And this film is kind of like the, the result of our millions of questions
2: so it's it's so good i i love what you said daniel about all of that the fact that you're 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 sort of humble enough to say we kind of still don't know we we've we've actually raised more questions mohammed do you feel that and this is a huge question but i mean the situation in the in the middle east is complicated to say the least i mean it's just such a massive understatement and and i think with stories like yours and this is what's so important about the humanization of 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 the the conflict or or however you describe this did you feel like you came away with any sort of new a new understanding of 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 the 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 complexity of it, the difficulty of it, you know, as as you humanize uh, 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 Hamouda and, and uh, is it Ismail and Ali, you know, our three three characters in the film. Can can you talk a little bit about that?
4: You know, I I, I really got many times a question from Hamouda, what can give me this film? He told me I don't want money. I don't mean money. I mean what can change in my life this film, because he let us film with him. Uh, Ali, he knew, he was new that if he says something, we'll send it to the world. But Hamouda, he was not thinking in this way. He was telling me will, he wanted to change his life. But uh, I, like from me and Daniel, we just uh, put focus how how, how how their life difficult is. And like to put a spot on it and to make it big that this problem is a problem of many society in the world. Mm. It could be in many countries. So I think to solve a problem, you need to solve the problem in whole world, in all countries. Like there is many different layers between poor, between like employee who is his employer so many people are the injustice everywhere
3: sure.
4: and this is we bought and we bought a spot how injustice how, how difficult circumstances could be. We give them an example from Palestinian character who and I learned a lot that oh okay, this is like what you can take any granted what not mm. and for for people who like i will repeat it many times people who live in like privileged countries or rich countries, they don't see what they have. And I think this film gives you an impression to appreciate your life or to feel happy about what you have, even if it's not so big, you know? You don't have a big car, but you can drive in your car peacefully. You don't have a big house, but you can live in a house, nobody will enter your house. So this give also for anyone watch the film, appreciation of his life or her life like you know their life is is good outside an, an, appre-
2: an appreciation for something as simple as a job that allows you to provide for your family i mean isn't that a universal truth that we all can you know can can empathize with it's uh yeah it's a beautiful a beautiful uh, thing was it isa that said that you or was it his son that said you 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 lose control of your own destiny uh in the middle of these types of situations where you've got to make these types of hard decisions daniel did you you know did you ever come to a conclusion that you would make some of these same choices that 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 you would take your you know i mean and and how do you know unless you're th- sort of thrown into it right i mean you can never really know until you're in the middle of something
3: Um, sometimes I tell myself I would do the same thing too, but really, honestly, you know, really looking at the price that these people are paying, I'm not hundred percent sure. I think the only thing that, I mean, Mohammed and me can say that we lived for years with them. We, for, for at least the, the first part of the, the film, we didn't have a hotel room. So we just uh, slept at their places or at the places of friends who lived under sur- similar circumstances. So maybe I did in a way decide to, to, to go the same way as they did. Um, I can only say that of course the, the price for me personally was very high. Um, living a life like this is not very healthy, not very um, good for the nerves and uh, the, the, the body itself. Sure. but then of course we also I only lived like two of, percent of, of what Hamur or, or Ismail is going through. So I think at the end I can never I can never fully answer this question I think. there will always be a, a difference between us.
1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: You know, one of the things I love about uh, The Devil's Drivers and films like it and stories like it is I think it requires, and Mohammed, your comment about how you were struck by watching the film yourself as the filmmaker is going to stick with me for a long time, but it... it i hope it helps us to empathize you know it, it it situates us in in that position to say how would i behave which then would say i'm going to start reflecting on some of these more difficult ethical philosophical social and political questions right and you and you've you've embedded this so beautifully in this this really uh, human story and again it's just it it really is a remarkable thing, Mohammed. What about trust? You know, you got to know these these men, these families, uh, their 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 wives, their children over is it eight years, eight or nine year period? Yeah. What about trust? Did they? I mean, were you filming in the car with them right away? <laughs> Some of those shots are. Are harrowing. I just I can't believe some of the images that you have from this film. So so yeah, I'm fascinated by the relationship that you developed with with Hamoda and and Ismail and Ali and so on.
4: Yeah, it took us one year and off.
2: One year of just developing relationships.
4: Yeah, to go and back, and then we started to film with them, and we we did like kind of. Uh, hanging out with them and uh, we had like coffee with them we 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 had dinner with them once we invite them once they invite us also they are also uh, like they, they, we never built with uh, we, t- we always been filmmaker and protagonist but we also went down for them that we just stay there. And sometimes we don't feel we go home. We never gave them order. We we never pushed them to film with us. And uh, they let us film with them. And uh, every time we were going there, it seems that it's the last day, but something happened. We continue. So also it's nine years, but I didn't go there in, in, in first of in 2012, I told them, hi guys, I will be here nine years. So yeah, <laughs> I you never no, know you, when you... that. <laughs> I thought, okay, I will be here like two years, then I go. <laughs> <laughs> Three. I didn't know anything. So we were there also. We don't know like them. If we if they ask me what do you want to shoot with us, what are you looking for? Sometimes I don't have the answer. I tell them, yeah, let's shoot with you. And then I watch what he's doing, then, oh, okay, let's film in the car. Then, oh, he he has a mechanic. Please let me film with the mechanic. Then we go to the mechanic to film with the mechanic. He let us, then next time he doesn't let us. We don't know why. Third time, let us to film with him again. So it is like this. We live in in some circumstances of filming that, uh, we react to the situation. And we were super polite with them, and you know, sometimes we have a conversation about a singer that they like, or about they love Mercedes and BMW. We talked about cars. So, did so yeah talk, did you
2: did you, did you ever talk about what Hollywood actor would play their part if this was like a a big film? <laughs> you you brought up Robert De Niro and Brad Pitt, I believe. So I don't know, maybe maybe we can send out some emails we should <laughs> we 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 totally we totally should listen this is totally the kind of story it seems to me that would be that would be turned could potentially be turned into into a a narrative film for sure you know and this question's to both of you and this is a big question i think one of the opening lines of the film is and i think we're seeing different images and and the narration is something to the effect of and i think it's ismail i'm not sure sent uh, sentenced me to prison without even looking at me is is this a part of the bigger problem? I mean, my background's in philosophy and as my listeners will know in international development and I've worked around the world and I wonder, you know we don't we don't us human beings don't listen very well. We don't we don't build relationship always very well and I so love that you embedded yourself with these families for a year before you even started shooting. you built that trust. I love how you open the film with that. Is, is is are we gonna can we even talk about reconciliation until we can recognize and see the other? Does that make sense, Daniel?
3: Um, Hamura often talks that the world is merciless. Mm. And I think um, the fact that the judge didn't even look at him when he sent him away from his newborn child is definitely a, a reflection on this. Um, The question I think of of reconciliation is, do I recognize your pain, my pain and your pain? And I think that's the most difficult work. And um, only if I understand that you, you suffered in a way that's non-comparable and important and my personal suffering is unconnected to yours in the terms of that, what I feel is real and unique to me, but should never, I I think what what we need is to go from yes, but this is how we're living at the moment to yes. And Mm. the the number one rule in improv, theater because you want to cooperate with the other actors on stage is whatever they say, you answer. Yes. And. And I think if um, this idea of needing the other person instead of competing with the other person. Right. I think from that moment on. A process of healing is possible. I don't know if it's reconciliation. I mean, that's huge it's huge yep um but i think alone recognizing the value and the le- legitimacy of the other person's pain and suffering could be an important step
2: what a great phrase the legitimacy of other people's pain i mean i i and i wonder how i mean i wonder how willing we are even able you know even able to do that, you know, uh, emotionally and physically and spiritually, where all of us have our own families and our work and so on. And how could I ever be worried about the legitimacy of somebody else's pain on the other side of the world? And I would like to think again, this is what's so beautiful about the devil's drivers and, and the empathy, I believe that you have stirred up uh, uh, in your audience is is essential to getting to a place where we can legitimize it. You know the scenes with the soldiers, Muhammad are are disturbing and unsettling. It reminds me of I don't know if you ever saw Brian De Palma's film Redacted, um, but he used a lot of actual footage connected in this this narrative film from Iraq, and it was uh, around. Uh, was, I'm, I'm going to say it was at TIFF about five to seven years ago, and very disturbing sh- shots of American soldiers going in and, and and working, you know, in Iraq, and and not really alongside Iraqi families, but intruding in this, this sense of um, kind of a different kind of violence, if you know what I mean. Do you feel, do you think, did you see any kind of compassionate response where these soldiers said, well, hang on a minute here. These these folks are just trying to live their lives. They're not terrorists. These are just men and women, mostly men, I guess, trying to provide for their families. Did Did you witness that at all? Did you see any of that kind of empathy or compassion? It would be a tough question.
4: No, I, I, we, we were never close to soldiers to to know or to observe soldiers. We were always with the family and when they came the soldier we were in a room so i always hidden in the room and i didn't look at them and they didn't look at me they just came and say who are you go to the room this is the only talk they don't talk to us
2: right to so right they so they put pushed you aside and 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 focused on the families
4: no they put us all in one in one room got it so, say so then they, who are you and they took the journalist ID right and this is what the, the interaction with soldiers just to take ID to give ID and nothing else I think they don't have uh, soldiers hierarchy and I think of the soldiers course are not a lot to, to talk anything with the villagers and for them they are coming to a as to a family but they don't come to a family they come for enemy and they are put the enemy in a room so uh, th- there is no way of uh, discussion any kind of uh, i don't know how to call it but uh, there is no way of uh, sympathize or you know to explain it even in arabic or any language uh, soldier come to family i don't think there is an uh, other way to well, i think
2: it. Muhammad, I think what you said about they, I think what I heard you say anyway was they, they're seen these these families are seen as the enemy. They're not they're not seen as families, they're not seen as people that are just trying to provide. And I and I sort of understand that, but I just I I wonder about that response. And if you know, based on Daniel's notion of legitimacy of seeing somebody else, could could a soldier ever do that? I don't know. I don't know. That's a pretty big question, but it 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 makes me reflect on. How, how the police in the, in, in the US and the police in Canada are now going through training, you know, when it comes to how they come onto to a, a scene of a crime and they have to go through a, a different process and frankly a more empathetic response, instead of just pulling out a handgun or pulling out a set of handcuffs. Maybe there's a different response. Anyway, I uh, I am an idealist. I, I think we, <laughs> I long and hope and, and trust for a better world, but but it seems like we're we're a long way away. Did either of, we got to wrap up soon. Did either of you ever feel like you were on your way to jail anytime soon? Did you ever feel like your lives were were threatened? You must, the tension comes through in the film in such a palpable way. Uh, I can't imagine what it would have been like to be right alongside there. Daniel, can you can you talk to that at all? And then maybe Mohammed.
3: Um, I think we felt more that we were on our way to the hospital, and sometimes <laughs> right. to the graveyard more wow. than actually to jail. Um, I think. I think the. I mean, you need to be somewhere, when when you're shooting this film, you also need to be aware of the dangers, but you also not want to do it, but you need to have a, let's say, a physical or mental state of mind that can deal with it. And um, I remember that night, for example, when we were in the village, when the soldiers came in at five in the morning, I think we both fell asleep like at 11, and I woke up at 4. 45 and I looked at the watch, and I was like, wow, no one is coming. We we, we knew that they would come in the morning. The, the villagers had told us. And I looked at the watch, 445, they're not coming. And the next thing is that they break through the door. That means I must have fallen asleep again. Right. Um, so in a way, I guess we were in a in a mental state of 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 having adopted to this danger and our body and our mind um, had accepted our role in there. And I think uh, in those moments, we're very aware of the temporariness of our human existence. Mm. And we know that there are higher powers that could just interrupt everything in this moment. But I think um, telling a story like this is the job of a filmmaker. And I think uh, Mohammed and me, we just uh, recognized our call and took it. And will we do it again? I don't know. Because Mohammed and me were not war reporters. I think that's very important. Right. We're not going to front lines, we're not embedded with troops. We actually were doing the opposite, we're living with civilians for a long time. And sometimes the war comes and sometimes the war passes over and leaves again. And we're both also not, I mean, we're not going to front lines to search tests. We're going to villages to find deep stories that we tell over a long period of time.
2: Yeah, I think. Well, I think it's, remar- it's remarkable how uh, the fact that you aren't those type of journalists, and yet you embed you 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 were embedded for this long uh, as you as you um, you know sought to tell the story. I also think it's interesting, Daniel, that you said you're not sure that you would you would do this again. I mean, it must have been incredibly incredibly taxing and. Uh, uh, challenging on so many levels from a production perspective as well, and the funding of it, and 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 all of that. Mohammed, would um, you know? We, we're going to wrap up here in a minute, and and um, would you do this again? I mean, uh, are, are, and maybe that leads to the next question: Do you already have another another project in mind?
4: Uh, honestly, I I will. Uh, I'm working on a feature, fiction, narratives. My next project is narratives. So I'm working this. I'm shooting short movies, and I'm working in narratives. So and, uh, yeah, again, when we started to do this film, we didn't know the result. So what came out, something like, you can say, we we didn't plan it, but we were, we wanted to to do something big, and we wanted to do a, a long feature film. And this is what it came. This is what happens, like. If you have sense of characters, because when you see Hamouda shouting and we saw her without filming with him, we had the feeling that, oh, my God, this is a, a film character. And right. we followed him and this is what came. And we found around him another characters. Then for me, sometimes I think I was uh, filming with characters without asking them what to do. <laughs> It took the job for me to co- <laughs> to guide the actors. They were my actors, and they were working my job as a director just to do what inside me I wanted. And then they gave me more than I thought. Honestly, sometimes maybe also Daniel, we never thought that this could happen in a film like this.
2: Yeah, it's a well, it's an amazing, amazing film, and I I love that you, as so many documentarians, go into a story they they sort of they don't necessarily know where where it's going to wind up and and I I so love where you you wound up with this film and and Daniel your comment about uh, it raises more questions than provides answers I think is probably really accurate and true but I do hope and trust that it will it will take people places where they can empathize and start thinking about what some of those answers might be and if I could just end with um you know, Daniel, you talked about focusing on faces and the reactions. How did you come to that decision? Because I think it's so important. I've seen, I always see a bit of a theme uh, uh, in the films that I watch at any festival, because you kind of get immersed, you know, in 10 or 12 or 15 films. Uh, t- can you talk just briefly as we wind up the, the focus on the face? I just think, it's, I mean, talk about legitimizing uh, somebody else focusing on their face is just a beautiful way to go.
3: We noticed very early in the production that even though we're shooting a film in the desert, which could be like a Western or a freedom theme, actually the most of our film was taking place in a very, very small spaces in extreme confinement. So in a way, what we shot is a chamber play, as absurd as it it might sound. Um, And, for me, a chamber play will always become a psychological drama. Mm. For me, it's always about what is going on in the mind and what triggers the next decision. What What are these people feeling? What are the What are the the inner workings that motivate someone? To go actually through this incredibly dangerous situation over many 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 years and i think that's also the 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 puzzle that muhammad and me are putting together with this film Mm -hmm. or assisting the audience to put together sure
2: it's so good
3: yeah with this film like the value of freedom the pursuit of freedom the risks that you take to gain freedom and the price that you pay when you lose it i think those are those were the themes that we try to discover in the minds and the, the feelings of our protagonists
2: it's so good what a what a beautiful uh, way to end this interview the value of freedom and, and 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 the risks we take and the price we pay what a pleasure uh, chatting with you both and, and meeting you both uh, we've been talking to Daniel Carcente and Mohammed Abu Geth about their brilliant uh, uh, new film, *The Devil's Drivers*, at the Toronto International Film Festival, and hopefully coming soon to a digital theater uh, near you. Thank, thank you to you both.
4: Thank you very
3: much for having thank us. Thank you, thank you, David, for having us, for hosting us so gently. It's been so been a pleasure.
2: So there you have it. My conversation with Mohammed Abu and Daniel Carcente talking about uh, their uh, brilliant uh, Toronto International Film Festival film, *The Devil's Drivers*. That's a bit of a mouthful. Their Toronto International Film Festival film. Hey, thanks for joining us and for listening in. I hope you get to see this film. It's it's, it's it is brilliant it really is uh, quite something and I don't think you've seen a film like this before so if you get the chance look for it in the not so distant future video on demand uh, or coming soon to a theater or maybe a festival near you and don't forget davidpecklive.com facetofacelive.ca please sign up for our newsletter uh, only a few of those go out a year please leave us a review uh, where you listen to podcasts and more importantly sign up for the podcast subscribe to that feed we would appreciate it and uh, continue to listen and share, us, uh, share the, uh, what we're doing here with family and friends on social media uh, face-to-face. I would certainly appreciate it a great deal, and I know uh, my guests would, too. We are going to continue to have these conversations, I think, for uh, many years to come, and I look forward to uh, continuing uh, the conversation with uh, so many thoughtful, talented Uh, brilliant filmmakers and writer, producer, actors. So stay tuned for more uh, coming up in the not-so-distant future. Uh, But in the meantime, um, thanks again for listening to us here on Face to Face.